Resonate Church, what is up? How are you guys doing? You guys good? You guys good this morning? Good. Well, it is my privilege, absolute privilege, to be uh, given the opportunity to speak to you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Troy, uh, and I do have the privilege of serving as executive pastor here at Resonate Church. And man, I'm excited for this morning. I've got something that God's put uh, on my heart uh, for a long time now. He's burning something up inside of me, and so I can't wait to share that with you today. As you know, um, some of you will know, Pastor Shane and Rachel are away today. They're down in Florida with their girls, and so I just loved we were able to send them off this week. You know, send them away to turn their phones off, turn their computers off. Uh, really, they pour so much energy, and I see it every week. I work very closely with both of them, and they pour so much energy and heart into our church. And so, can we do something this morning? They're going to be watching on the podcast later this week, but can we honor our pastors this morning? Can we lift it up? Come on, church, let's get loud. Come on, come on. We love you guys. We appreciate you so much. Can't wait to see you back here in a few weeks' time. Well, Jane didn't touch on it this morning, but on June the 24th, as we have baptisms happening here at Resonate Church, I am so, so excited uh, for that day. If you haven't been baptized before, uh, for me, I got saved when I was actually really young, uh, and it was 20 years later that I got baptized. And so if you're here today and you've either been saved recently or a long, long time ago, we'd love for you to join us on June the 24th uh, for baptisms. Uh, our whole church family is going to be here around celebrating that day. And even if you're wondering, like, what does baptisms look like or what's it all about, mark down on your connection card that you're interested in being baptized. Drop that in our giving and cards box on your way out. And that doesn't obligate you for anything. Nothing at all. All we're going to do is we're going to send you a video of Pastor Shane walking through the process, what it means, take away some of the fear and anxiety around what baptism could look like, and then it's up to you to decide from there whether you want to get baptized or not. So if that's you today, we'd love for you to fill that card out, drop it off. Uh, we're excited for what God's going to do here on July, or June, sorry, June the 24th. Well, on my heart this week, I've been praying for this moment right here and right now. And my prayer for all of us today is that we would open up our hearts and create some space for what I believe God wants to speak to all of us here today. That's my hope. So I've been reading through the Gospels lately. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So the first four books of the New Testament. And I love what Jesus does in the New Testament. Is that he goes, and it's a life and times of Jesus, right? Four different authors and four different biographies on his life and death and resurrection. And what I love what Jesus does is he takes stories and parables and miracles... And he uses those things to encourage us and to bring life and hope into the audience he has, uh, even correction at times. It's just some real life applicable stuff. And I love what, uh, what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says. Jesus is talking to his disciples and says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so today, what does a witness do? They just tell their side of the story, right? So today, that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to tell my side of the story. My first story is the story of me and Rachel, our miracle story of how we came down to Coquitlam with our kids from Kelowna to Coquitlam with three kids. That's the first miracle story I want to walk through today. And the second miracle story is found actually in all four Gospels. It's the only miracle recorded in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so there's something significant about this miracle of Jesus, Jesus feeding the 5,000. So today I want to unpack that miracle. I believe God something he has to say to us. He's got a desire for us today that we're going to see throughout that miracle. So that's my heart 
for us here today. But I've got one big, grandiose idea. One thought, one belief that everything I'm going to talk about today is based around. And that's this. I believe with all of my heart that God has got a plan for your life. And that plan is far more wild, far more crazy, and far more adventurous than you or I could ever, ever imagine. Think about that for a moment. Think about it. Like, we all have these lids that we place on God, right? And whether we're aware of it or not, we've got these lids on what we believe God can do with our life. And so today, my hope is as we journey through these two miracle stories, that slowly we'll be able to pull back this lid on what we believe God desires and can do in our lives. And we would open our hearts up wider than ever before to hear what God has to say to us this morning. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the time we get to share together. God, as we go to your word, I pray that you will speak to us. Our hearts are open today, God. They're wide open. I hear, I pray that we wouldn't just have, it wouldn't be good information, but it would go down into our hearts and ultimately out through our hands. We love you, Jesus. We give you these next few moments. In your name we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Well, it was only a few years ago that the words crazy and wild and adventurous would probably be the three last words that you would use to describe my relationship with Jesus and my life. Probably three better words, to be honest, would be safety, comfort, and security. See, back three years ago, so I'm 35 now, when I was 32, back in Kelowna, I thought I had most of what I wanted in life, to be honest. Um, you know, other than maybe a little bit more hair and maybe some muscles like my boy Jordan down here. A little more, he's shaking his head. But I thought I had everything. From the outside looking in, you would have seen my life and you'd be like, wow, he's got a good life. I have a beautiful wife. Praise God. First miracle. Still, she's still here. Still here with me. I had three. Yeah, praise God for that. I had two amazing boys at the time, healthy. I had a daughter on the way. I had an amazing career that I had grown with the company. Started early, early on. Worked my way up through the company to an upper management role. And I loved the people there. I loved the family that I had there. I had a company car in the driveway. I had parents, grandparents close by, watching over the kids and getting an amen to free childcare. Miss that so much right now. Actually, my mom is here today, drove 4.45 this morning. Give it up, and my sister. Front row, like this is, this is next level. But I thought I had it all, and I had a relationship with God at the time. Sure, I had a relationship with him. You know, it was kind of on the sideline. You know, I, it wasn't getting in the way, at least, of what I was trying to pursue. And so then why, at the age of 32, Am I laying in my bed at night in the brand new house we just built up on the hill in Kelowna thinking to myself that there has to be more than this? Maybe you've thought that recently for yourself. That there has to be more in, the life, in life right now than what I'm currently doing. And so I remember the night specifically, June the 8th, 2015. I was laying in bed next to Rachel. She was sleeping and I was reading a book called Just Courage. And the author is Gary Haugen, amazing author. It's a book about life and courage and faith. And I was reading it, and halfway through the book, it gets to this point in the book where he kind of hits you with this statement. And that statement is this, is that you have a decision to make in your life. All of us do. And that's a decision whether you want to be brave or you want to be safe. But here's what hit me the hardest, is that he says from there that you can't choose both. 
That you can't have a life of faith and of miracles and a deep knowledge of Jesus while holding on to comfort and security and success and control. And in that moment, I didn't know what to do, but God hit me. And I didn't know what to do, but I closed my book and I looked up to heaven and I prayed this prayer. It was a simple prayer, but I was like, God, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know if you can do anything, but for the first time in my life, I choose to be brave. Then I woke up the next morning, nothing changed. Woke up, went to work, didn't think, see anything change in my life. But when I look back now from that evening, God started doing miracle after miracle after miracle in my life. Fast forward nine months later, it's March 2016, Rachel and I get a phone call. Friends of ours said, hey, we've got this couple, they're up in Kelowna right now. Uh, the wife, the mother, she uh, had a baby five weeks early, completely unexpected in Kelowna. They're from the Lower Mainland. Do you have a place to stay? And we said, we do. We have got a suite in our house. And uh, we've been praying, actually, Rachel and I, saying, God, we want to make a whole lot of money in Airbnb in the summertime. But for now, it's empty. And so bring somebody who could use it, right? And so we were praying that prayer. And sure enough, we're like, you know what? Send them our way. We've got a spot for them. And who turns up on our doorstep a couple, weeks, a couple days later? It's our pastors, Shane and Rachel Johnston. So they show up. And over the next four weeks, we had a chance to connect with them to share meals together with them. We visited Rachel and Lindsay in the hospital. And I'll never forget the day in early April. So they were with us for four weeks. So in early April, Shane and I, we were in the backyard. We were just talking, hanging out, a bunch of people. Kids were playing around. And I remember the exact place we were standing, right at the bottom of our staircase going up to the back stairs. And so Shane was talking to me about this vision he had to plant a church, this God dream that was inside of him. He was currently pastoring a campus of another church in the Lower Mainland, but he shared with me this dream that he had to, to plant this church, a church for people that are far from God who would be loved and accepted and served every week. They didn't have to behave or believe anything that, that he did before they were able to be belonging, find belonging and a family and to have the gospel preached every single Sunday and give an opportunity for people to come to know Jesus and have their lives transformed. And I'll tell you, in a moment, something clicked. In that moment, my vision, the deepest desires of my heart, my purpose in life became clear in that moment. Have you ever had a moment like that before? Where like the reason that you exist on this planet becomes clear for the first time in your life. And I was so excited. I wanted to tell Rachel so bad, right? And I was like, all day long, something in, God's working on me inside. I'm like, ah, oh, I got to tell her, I got to tell her. I'm like, no, 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 that's a big can of worms. I don't want to open that right now. And I'm like, okay, okay, God, just I'll pray about it. I'll think about it some more. But little did I know that God was actually working on her heart already. And later that night, we're getting ready for bed. And uh, she turns and looks at me out of nowhere. And she says, hey, Troy, you ever thought of pastoring a church? And I was like, I still get chills when I tell that story because God had been speaking to her in that very moment when she saw Shane and I through the bay window talking together, God speaking to her heart. So fast forward two months later, we had a lot of discussion, a lot of prayer. Really, there's an intense process that went on, but in a warm summer evening in Kelowna, in June, sitting across from each other at our favorite pub in downtown Kelowna with a whole lot of faith and a whole lot of fear 
We looked each other in the eyes and we made the decision to move our family down to the Tri-Cities to help Pastor Shane and Rachel plant a church. Two months later, we made the move uh, in late August. And six months later, on February 26, 2017, we planted Resonate Church. And I can tell you right now, praise God, praise God. But I can tell you right now that this roller coaster of a faith journey that we are still on has been far more wild, far more crazy, and far more adventurous than I could have ever, ever scripted out or even dreamed up in my mind. I am so thankful today. Even thinking about our story this morning, again, just brings tears to my eyes. I am so thankful that God rescued me from a life that was headed down a path, and I know myself. I wouldn't have got off that path of security and comfort, but he rescued me and my family, and he's given us more purpose and meaning than we've ever had in our entire life. And I'll tell you, it has been hard. It has been hard. We have had more problems in our marriage, parenting, financial, but I'll tell you this right now, that by the grace of God and only by the grace of God are we standing here today with more purpose and ready to see more miracles happen. And so today, the message I want to bring to you, what I've titled it, is you think you know, but you have no idea. <laughs> Woo! Come on, let's open up God's Word today. Thank God. Let's open up God's Word today. So the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is where I want us to land. Uh, we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke today. Uh, and let's pick up the story here in verse number 10. So on their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. So Jesus and the apostles, uh, they had been separated for some time, and they came back together. And he took them. So Jesus took them, and they withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned of it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. So this was no small crowd. Like in verse 14, a little bit later on, it talks about that there was 5,000 men. And so including women and children, there's anywhere between 15,000 and 25,000 people. Let's call it 20,000 on average that were there listening to Jesus on this hillside somewhere. So we're not talking Poirier Arena. We're talking like sold out Rogers Arena. You tracking with me? Let's pick it up here in, in 13, 12, sorry. Now the day began to wear away. And the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. So here's the picture. They're out in a place. Jesus has been preaching all day long, teaching the people. It's late in the day. People are getting hungry. And the disciples come up with the only rational, logical idea. Let's send some people away to get some food, right? They're hungry. If there's 20,000 hangry people on a hillside, we're going to send them away to get some food, right? It makes sense. If we were the disciples, we'd be offering Jesus the same option, right? But I love what Jesus says to them here. And the poor disciples, like Jesus constantly is throwing them curveballs all throughout the gospel. So here's what he says. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. Us? Like, you serious? Us? See, what Jesus is asking them to do is completely irrational. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, right? You know, me and Rachel, over the past few years in this parenting journey we're in, you know, we've been getting schooled recently on what is reasonable and rational to ask of another human being. And so recently, we're, we're getting ready for school, right? Like we do every single day. 
getting ready for school. Me and Rachel are in a good mood. We're, we're making lunches together, high five, and you know, it's great. And I ask what I think is a very reasonable, rational question that I ask every single morning to our kids. And I say, hey, kids, would you mind going to put your clothes on for the day? <laughs> to which one of them responds, what? Not again, Dad. <laughs> you know, parents, you feel me on that? But what Jesus wasn't doing here is it was, it was a very irrational question he was asking of them, right? It made no sense at all. In fact, in Mark's gospel, this is what Jesus tells them to do. He says, go and see how many loaves you have. Like, go out and see. And you know what the, what the disciples did? Is they went. They went. They put aside their own logical, rational thinking and plan, and they were obedient to what Jesus had told them to do, regardless of what they thought. And I believe what God desires for us this morning is he desires for each and every one of us to start to build up some irrational faith inside of us, some faith that just doesn't even make sense. You move, Rachel, when we move from Kelowna to Coquitlam, you better believe that some people thought we were crazy. They probably still do, to be honest. They thought we were crazy moving down here. But I am so thankful today. And I actually had a friend that took me on a walk and he told me in detail how this just wasn't going to work and how it wasn't the right decision for my family. you got to think how I was feeling at that point. Tell me how it wasn't going to work for my family. But you know what I'm so thankful for today is I'm thankful that God planted this tiny little irrational faith seed inside of Rachel and I that we were able to take that next step courageously into what God had been calling us to do all along. And so I believe this morning that God desires for us to have some irrational faith in our lives. So here's my question for you today. What are you doing that's requiring irrational faith? You know, what are you trying to accomplish in your life that can only happen if Jesus comes and does a miracle in your life? I'm not talking about praying prayers that you know you can do that thing, right? You know you prayed the prayer to God, but you already know inside that you can kind of just do that already. Like you just kind of need to get up and do that thing. I'm talking about praying prayers that if God actually showed up and did that miracle, a city would be changed. Front page of the newspaper, a nation would be changed. You feel what I'm saying here? Irrational faith, I believe, is the first desire that God has for us. Let's continue reading here. So Jesus told the disciples to go and give them some food. Let's continue reading. But they said to him, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we were to go out and buy food for all these people... For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And so they did, and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Let's stop right there for a moment. So the disciples, they've gone out, right? They're obedient. They went out. They found five loaves and two fish. That's it. You got to think they're bringing it back to Jesus, and they're kind of like, okay, makes sense now, right? God, take a look here. This is all we found. This is not enough to feed these people. Let's send them away, right? But then Jesus takes the loaves and the fish, holds them up to heaven, and starts to bless them. And at this point, you know, one of the, you're, if you're the disciple, you're thinking, ah, oh, I see it now, okay? Jesus is going to pray over this food. He, it's going to multiply in his hands, and it's going to all go out to all the people, right? But here's what Jesus does, and I love this so much. It says, then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. See, we need to catch this, is that what the disciples did, they took that loaf of bread, right? I mean, it was embarrassing enough the first time that they went out 
and they had to go find food to feed 20,000 people. Now they're going to take half a loaf of bread and walk back out towards this crowd and start handing it out. But here's what happens. As they start handing the bread out to people, it starts to get bigger in their hands. See, the miracle didn't happen in Jesus' hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. He took what little they had, he blessed it, then he gave it back to the disciples, and the miracle happened in their hands. And it says, and they ate and were satisfied. You know, I believe if we're going to live a wild, crazy, faith-filled life, is that God today is calling us to look down at our hands. What has he placed? What miracle has he placed in our hands? I believe if we're going to live faith-filled lives, we need to look and say, God, what is the gifting? What is the talent, the ability you've placed in my hands? And how can I use that thing to make a difference in somebody else's life? And you know what? That's the heartbeat of our church. That's the heartbeat of our pastors, Shane and Rachel is that every single person who walks through the doors here at Resonate Church will go on a spiritual journey that God has set out for us from the beginning of time. The first thing is to know God. Everything we do here, the foundation is to know God, a relationship with Jesus. The second part of that is to find freedom. Freedom from the junk of the past, what holds us back in our life. That's the second step. And the third is that we would all discover the purpose and the giftings and the talents we have in our life so ultimately we can go and make a difference in somebody else's life. That's the journey that God has for you today. And our heart of our pastor, my heart, is that we would go on that journey. And that's why we do next steps. Jane talked about it this morning. That's why we do next steps every single week is because we want you to go on this journey to discover your gifts and ultimately use those to make a difference in somebody else's life. When you might be here today and you might be thinking to yourself, you know, when I look down on my hands, I just don't see much. You know, I don't know what God could use in my life or use me. And this is where I believe God has the most incredible sense of humor. Like constantly throughout history, he's picking specific people to do things that they're completely unqualified to do, right? I'm spitting. Do you see I'm spitting here? Unqualified to do these things, right? So after high school, I love it. Christian parents, after high school, I tell them the, the thing that Christian, every Christian parent probably wants to hear is, I'm going to Bible school. And they're like, thank you, Jesus. He's on a good path. He's going to be good, right? So me and two buddies, we head off to Bible school. And really where this ministry calling you see today really kind of got rooted in my life was the night of our Bible school talent show. So me and two buddies, you know, we, the week before the talent show, we had been uh, showing the staff what we were going to do, right? We had to do a bit of an audition. Uh, I was playing some bongos. My buddy Will was singing, and my buddy Nick was playing the guitar. We were doing like acoustic rendition of Blessed Be the Name of the Lord, right? So we're doing that. The week before, you know, the staff were like, yeah, great, sounds good, awesome for the show. But we might have left out the second part of the performance in that time. And so the night came about a week later, uh, and the gym was packed. Friends, family, dessert, the president of the Bible school, his wife, front row. So we get up there, and we're doing this acoustic version, and we're singing. Everything's good. And we had a friend queued up with the lights. And so halfway through our performance, he kills the lights. Complete blackout. And when the lights come on in a couple seconds, we're standing there singing Enrique Iglesias, I Can Be Your Hero Baby, in nothing more than tidy whitey underwear. I am serious. Those are some sights that you cannot 
unsee. And, to, and just to top it all off, for my parents, the complete answer prayer, complete filming of their answer prayer was two weeks later, I dropped out of Bible school and started playing drums in a heavy metal hardcore band. <laughs> like, you cannot script this stuff, right? But why do I tell you that story today? Is I want to give you hope that God wants to take what little you have in your hands and do something with it. He uses people all throughout history, all throughout history in the Bible. He uses people that are unqualified. David, murderer, adulterer, Moses, stutterer. He couldn't speak to people. Two million people he leads out of Egypt, and he killed a guy too. And then there's Paul. He's killing Christians. It's like you had to be a murderer on your resume for God to use you, right? That should give all of us hope here today. And we stand there with our hands open and we say, God, this is what you've given me. This is what you've blessed me with. Use it. Make a difference in someone else's life. That he'll do that. So we've got this irrational faith. God wants us to believe for some things that are far bigger than we can do ourselves, right? Some miracles in our life. And he wants us to look down at our hands and discover the gift and ability that he's put on your life, the calling that each and every one of us have on our life to make a difference in someone else's life. But we can't stop there. We absolutely cannot stop there. After we've got this irrational faith, we've discovered our gifts, God desires for us to start moving. Like take a next step, an action step. Put one foot in front of the other and actually start doing something, right? The disciples took the bread and they went out and they served people. 20,000 people dinner that night. They served them. They waited on them. And why is that so important? Why is it so, so important that we take that third step, that action step? You know, when I'm looking up the news, when I'm on the internet checking out CNN, when I'm having conversations with parents in the playground, when I'm standing in Starbucks waiting for my coffee in the morning, and I'm listening to the conversation happening around me. Our city has never been more broken. People have never been more broken. Marriages, families, kids, health, never been more broken. So we gotta ask ourselves this question, that if it's not us, like if it's not you and me, then who, who? Who's going to show up in the middle of the mess? When there's a need in our city, who's going to be there to walk alongside people? Who's going to be the church that, that it doesn't matter about someone showing up or making a decision to follow Jesus. We don't require their attendance to love them and serve them, whether they ever show up another week. See, there's a three-part process here where we've got this head knowledge. So today, you've probably got this, I'm giving you ideas and truth that's going to be inside of your head. And I pray in the next few moments that God takes it from there and he starts moving that into your heart. He gives you a revelation of the calling on your life. But then what God does from there is he hands it back to you. He gives it back to you and he says, now go do something about it. Go do something about it. See, none of this makes sense today. None of it makes sense unless we're willing to put one foot in front of the other and go and serve somebody. You know, James, he hits us with a, a gut punch in James chapter 2. Verse 14, he says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? 
Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And that last verse there sums up where I was sitting three years ago. Did I have faith? I did. But was it dead? It absolutely was. See, I was caught in this spot where I had these ideas and my faith was in my head. I had knowledge in my head. I was raised in a Christian family, right? I had this knowledge in my head, but it hadn't worked its way down to my heart and then out to my hands. And I'm not talking about your salvation here this morning. I'm not talking about doing good things so that you can be saved. No, our salvation was always and will only ever be a free gift to you and I, bought with a price on the cross. What I'm saying is that the overflow of that love and how Jesus rescued us is what we should be doing, overflowing that love to our city, going and rescuing a city in Jesus' name. So how do we make this practical this morning? I don't want to give you some big ideas, some big fluff in the sky. I want to give you some practical things you can take with you today. The first application, one way we can make this really, really practical for us is July the 14th. It's Serve Day. If you haven't heard of what Serve Day is, is we partner with churches all over North America on one day to deploy teams out in our communities to love people and serve people and do jobs for people and just show up in our community and let them know that they are loved. And so in the coming weeks, you're gonna have an opportunity to sign up for Serve Day. You know what my hope is for you? My hope is that when you get that opportunity to sign up for Serve Day, that you'll jump on it. Not think about it, oh, maybe I'll pray about it. No, just sign up, show up, and see what God does in your heart as you serve hurting people in our city. Number two, another way you can get involved is we have a backpack program that we run every single week throughout the school year here. It's an amazing program. A whole team picks up food, packs backpacks, and drops them off to people, to schools, sorry, two schools in the area for kids who are underprivileged, whose families struggle to put food on the table over the weekend. So you can join that team today. Our guest connections area, talk to somebody out there. They'd love to point you in the right direction to join that team today. The third, the third thing you could do is start a resonate group. We've got incredible resonate groups. And maybe you start a group around serving in our community. You know, start a group where you bring people together and you go out maybe weekly or bi-weekly and you just serve the socks off of people. Look for different organizations you can partner with. And I know that there's people in this room today who would love to show up to a group that meets more consistently to show up in our city. That's a third way. But maybe the last and most practical way, most meaningful way here at Resonate Church is join our dream team. And that dream team is who's serving and loving you when you show up here today in all different ministry areas. And that's what our dream team does here every single week. That's why we exist as a church. We exist to show up and to fight for people and to love people and serve people regardless of race, regardless of religion, regardless if they turned up last week or not, what their Saturday night looked like, what their past looked like. Before we ever even know their name, before they ever made a decision to follow Jesus. And why is that? Because we have a hurting city out there that needs Jesus. 
of families that are broken. This is life or death every single Sunday. And I'm prophesying, this isn't a might or a maybe. I'm prophesying today over Resonate Church that we will show up, that we will turn up and we will serve and love people that don't look like us or act like us. I'm praying, I'm prophesying right now over this church that we won't be a church that waits on a move of God, but we will be a church that realizes that we are the move of God. Do you see it? Do you see it this morning? If I could look in the whites of every single one of your eyes, I'm going to try to. My heart for you this morning, and more importantly, God's heart for you, His desire for you is that you don't wake up in three months, in three years, or in 32 years, asking, man, there's got to be more than this. But that you would wake up tomorrow morning, Monday, May the 21st, with a new purpose and a fresh vision from God, ready to take a step towards people, to love and to serve a community. That's what God desires for you here this morning. So my question for you is, what's your next step? What's your next step? Where are you now? And what's God calling you to do? God, thank you for this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that even right now that you are speaking to hearts. God, we open ourselves wide up to hear from you, God. We love you, Jesus. We just want to live lives of significance. At the end of the day, God, we want to live lives that build your kingdom. We love you this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, this all sounds good. This sounds great, but really, where do I get started in this journey? And maybe for you here today, maybe your next step is actually your first step in surrendering your life to Jesus. And if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus this morning, I'm gonna give you an opportunity in a moment to pray a simple prayer of faith, inviting Jesus into your life. Maybe you're here this morning and at one time you were close to God. But over the last while or a number of years you've fallen away from Him. I'm not talking about a little bit of sin. I mean like you're far from God right now and you want to come back to Him. You want to rededicate, recommit your life to Jesus. If that's you here today, in a moment I'm going to get you to do something brave something courageous. I'm going to get you to slip up your hand and right back down again. And I promise you, we are not going to embarrass you. We are not going to center you out. We're not going to bring you down to the front. This is a private moment between you and God. But I am going to ask you to be brave and to slip your hand up. So if today you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, all over the room, if that's you, would you raise your hand today and say, Pastor, include me in that prayer of faith. Include me today, all over the room. If that's you, raise your hand up today. Thanks, man. Let's give it another moment. If God's speaking to your heart this morning, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Resonate Church family, would you join with me this morning in praying this prayer of faith together out loud with those that made that decision today? Say, dear Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you died for me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. 
Jesus, today I give you my life. Help me to follow you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, can we put our hands together this morning for those that made that decision? Woo!